What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and this is the podcast you've all been waiting for this week. Yes, we may have had Trey Wingo on NFC football and free agency. And, and the Cowboys. Zeke Elliott and all of that. And we may have had Dan Bonner on the NCAA tournament, SMU Baylor. But now we've got me, Evan Grant, on baseball. <laughs> Evan, are you going to actually talk this time? Evan, are you going to ask yourself questions and answer questions? Well, that might improve the quality, wouldn't it? <laughs> wow. So I'm back in town, fellas, just for a couple of days. Evan is back. Did y'all did you notice out there in listener land that Evan is back? Yes, the the quality of the coverage in the paper has improved. Yeah. Oh, because you're not you're not in surprise. Correct. But no. then again, nobody reads the paper. So <laughs> I listen. You know what? I'm tired of people saying that kind of stuff. But that's what Trey Wingo said. I think that put, that put me down on Trey a little bit when he talked about the dying in newspaper industry. Boy, I tell you. All right, Kevin. Just remember. Pull up all the things before we get out of here, you know, that are nailed down to the floor because we got to carry them over to the new building. That's right. All right, so what do we got, Kevin? What do you want to know about the Texas Rangers and spring training since I'm not out there? You know, here's the interesting thing about me in this spring training uh, in watching it. You know, You're I, not interested at all. First of all, I want to say I've enjoyed listening to C.J. Nikowski uh, in, on the broadcast. Yes. I think he's done a very nice job. And, of course, he's in a different seat now than he will occupy during the season. Well, he's he's moving back and forth between seats. Yeah, he'll he'll do ten games of play by play during the season. But he uh, will. Yeah, but and and in spring training, they're rotating everybody through the webcast, the play by play, the all of that. So, uh, and, and spring training games are are a different animal anyway. You, your your idea is to try and make it as much of a feature story as you possibly can, then talk about the action on the field. But right. it, it does give. It gives the analysts an opportunity to really shine because you can talk about players and what they're doing and what they're working on. And and I just I think this is, you know, what the Rangers are looking for from CJ is is a guy who is 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 younger, has some grasp of analytics, is is willing to discuss that stuff on the air. Um and uh he's got a you know, just like Tom Grieve does, he's got a self deprecating sense of humor. Um I just, you know, but, it, but beyond that, just talking about skill set here, uh, I, I like the voice. I like the modulation of the voice. Uh, it's not like it's not jumping all over me. Uh, and but it's it just it's very nice. It's just it reminds me. You know who jumps all over you? <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, yeah, Barry Horn. Yeah, Barry? A little bit sometimes. Uh, but uh, anyway, I'm just saying that was my comment on that. I'm enjoying. I, I the, think people, Barry. That. I think people are going to grow to really like this this team of of Dave Raymond and CJ Nick. I think it'll take a while for people to because it, it's going to sound why? very foreign to them. Yeah, but but will. why will it? It will take a while, just in general, because people don't like change. Yeah, correct. Right. But they will grow used to this, won't they? 
They should. I, th- I, I think it, it has it has the potential. It has it has potential. As long as these guys have some chemistry together, and I think they will. They know each other. They have a good relationship. Yeah. And I don't want to count Tom Grieve out of this at all. I mean, Tom Grieve is a part of the broadcast. He remains a part of the broadcast. He's a he's a part of Rangers history, and it's a different element that he brings. Yeah. But I do think that people. I'll hear complaints. Barry will hear complaints wow. because it's change. But over time, people will get used to this and and feel like, okay, we're getting a different product. And I think the whole tone of the Rangers product is changing more from infomercial to information. Well, here, here's the deal. This is what, if how we could tell. If the team wins, people will like them. Yeah. If the team doesn't win... People will go. Well, oh, they're I, so negative. I well, that, the when one, the team didn't win, that's why they went to infomercials, and that's why Josh was quoting Seinfeld all the time because he had to fill the air with something that wasn't baseball. Yeah, I will say the one thing uh, about him that might be a little uh, put people off a little bit if if they feel like he's an outsider just coming in and sitting down and talking about the team dispassionately. I, I don't want a guy that's a homer, but but they the. Fans here are going to want a guy who feels like he's part of it, you know, that uh, that he's not going to just, you know, uh, sit there and, and watch something develop and not, you know, I, I think people will take criticism. And this is one, one of my things for a, uh, an announcer. I'm not asking an announcer who's employed by the club, essentially, to, to well, sit they there. They are employed, they are employed by, by well, the club, yeah. directly. And so I'm not asking him to, uh, to criticize a team. But uh, to give you an example, and I love Tom Grieve, but the other day he, he brings up uh, Shinsu Chu, and he's talking about the situation about him being a DH as opposed to being a right fielder. And he says, uh, this is not be- oh, it's not because he's a bad fielder. It, it, they're just trying to preserve his legs and that kind of thing. It's like, okay, the way you could say that is he's not the greatest outfielder. Uh, but the reason, the basic reason they're doing this is because of this. So it's, it's okay to acknowledge people's shortcomings, right. Without criticizing them, in, in my mind, and 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 you don't have. I mean, I I think I want to, to your to that specific example. If if you compare defensively, Nomar Mazar to Sinchi Chu, I think you would come with the idea that that Mazar has got a better arm and probably at least the same amount of range at this point in time. Chu's arm's you, not bad, uh, but but you're right, it, it, the arm is better. Yeah. And then when you add in the fact that that Chu is older and that yeah. there is the injury factor, yeah, I mean, there's there's a there's a very rational explanation that factors in both baseball and health for why the Rangers would use Mazzara yeah. as the primary right fielder. Which leads us right into to my, one of my observations about okay. this team this spring. Is that, uh, and I think it, it's interesting to me, and I was thinking about this watching the game yesterday on uh, Monday, was the, uh, the subtle influence that uh, Jeff Bannister has had on this organization as opposed to, to Ron Washington. We had the when Ron Washington was the manager, his his idea was I'm going to put my best guys out here. I'm going to encourage them and put them in the best uh, atmosphere that I can, and I'm going to work on their defense. Atmosphere being, I think atmosphere being a key word. Now. I'm sorry. Go, yeah, well, absolutely. But and and, and, I, and I, listen, he did some really wonderful things with Elvis Andrews. But on the whole, uh, and, and he was, and of course, what we heard was that players were resistant. That as I recall, as I recall, one time Ron Washington said that Ian Kensler was really one of the only guys who came to him wanting to say, "How can you help me be a better infielder?" But Ian Kensler also didn't become a, a Gold Glove f- second baseman until he went to Detroit. That's correct. So, That's correct. And so, you know, last year the I, I was just looking this up because I'm going to do something when I get back to spring training about middle infields and, and the center field situation, kind right. of the spine of the defense. 
And the Rangers weren't very good there defensively no, last year. No, they were not. But Oakland, where Ron Washington was the infield coach and guru, was the worst. And Yeah, and that's, that's and the Ron amazing Washington thing. Ron Washington is no longer with Oakland. No, he's right? with Atlanta now. Yeah, but, and that's the amazing thing to me is that for a guy who – that was his rep, right? I mean, His he, rep was as, a, as an infield guru. And, and to some extent, look, you're as good as your players. And Eric Chavez oh, was a great defensive uh, third baseman. And that was his big claim to that fame. That was his big claim to fame. Um, Scott Hatterberg, Scott Hatterberg made a nice transition from catcher to first base, but he's not the first guy to do that. Right. Uh, the Rangers put Jerickson Profar in at first base after one game of working at the position last year, after one day of working at the position last year, played a pretty good first base. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't want to go overboard on, on saying that Wash over overhauled this defense. I think Wash's as you said, his big strength was taking good taking good talent, which they had, putting them in a good atmosphere, a positive, uh, energetic atmosphere, and letting them go and then do their thing. Right. And then not over-criticizing them for mistakes. Right. And, and to me, uh, so there's always a danger when you're the guy following that type of uh, uh, atmosphere – that uh, that you do too much, uh, and I think this is the thing that's impressed me the most about Jeff Bannister. Is I, I see the the influences he's trying to make on this club and the, and the improvements he's trying to make because obviously he understands defense and understands the benefits of having a good defense. And this was, as you pointed out, not a good defense last year, right. especially up the middle, um, and 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 that's a real problem. And to me, what you're trying to do is just like in trying to improve the atmosphere. You're trying to make your team better every day. The way you can make your team better every day is by playing good defense because because good defense comes every day. And, and, you know, the offense comes and goes. Pitching comes and goes. But the good defense is always there. And the more things that you can count on all the time, the much better off you are. And and that's and, and that's what's interesting to it's me to easiest, watch this team. As you just said, it's easiest to be consistent on defense. Yes, it is. And that's the thing that I am interested in on this team. You know, the, uh, I don't think there's going to be a significant drop-off at first base between uh, Mitch Moreland to Mike Napoli. Mitch, uh, Mike, Mike's been a very good first baseman. Yes, he has. And, and even though Mitch won the gold glove last year, uh, you know, there won't be any different unless Beltre really, you know. Uh, slows down. Slows down. I think third base will be roughly the same. Uh, and, uh, so, I think Elvis can improve at shortstop. I think, oh, I think how he improves on last year's great offensive year for him is he makes a step off a, a defensively. Oh, absolutely. And the same thing goes with Rudin at Odor. If, if he – Look, if he only takes 19 walks again this year but hits 33 bombs, I'll certainly live with that if, if I'm you know if I'm evaluating. But where he can improve is he can't make 22 errors again a second. No, game. he can't. And that is something Tony Beasley uh, – I think that's a, something Tony Beasley worked with Ruggie, uh pretty extensively in the two weeks before he went off to, to join Team Venezuela. I think it will be something – they do turn the double play well, Elvis yes, and they do. do. Yes, they but do. But still, they haven't played together yet this spring, and I still think you want to know where everybody's going to be and where everybody's going to be in the shift. But I, I have seen Ruggi do some really – I saw Ruggi make a, a play in spring training in which he didn't get an out that to me was alert, smart, instructive, and ended up saving a run. Base hit into the shift. He went way to his, his – uh, uh, left to field the ball, didn't have a play anywhere, but got the ball back into the infield very quickly, got the ball back to home, and didn't have a lot on it, but just got the ball in quickly. And the runner had to hold at third base, where if he had 
hesitated, if he had looked at first base, that runner probably goes. The Rangers ended up stranding him there, and that's a smart play. It's something that, that both Jeff Bannister and Tony Beasley were very encouraged about. And he can do those kinds of things. He has that ability. And if you talk to these guys, what they what they do talk about on Rudy is he moves laterally really well. Yeah, very athletic. Where he has struggled is he has let balls right at him. The routine balls routine kind of ball. play him. He has not gone and gotten the ball on the true hop, or he's gone too hard after the ball. He's just got to, to get that clock a little bit better where you want to go to the ball and play it on your hop, but you don't want to go so hard that you run through the hop. Yeah. You know, the, the one of the issues, too, about this in the defense for me. Were you going to say something, Barry? Yeah, I wanted to ask a question Go about ahead. something Go ahead. About, about the pitching staff. Yeah. But, but you'll say I, I hijacked the conversation. Well, you did. I want to talk about defense. Ask little, I want to ask Evan about the pitching staff. A little bit know. more about the defense. I, I don't want to overplay this Doug Bernier thing. But, you know, I love watching him play because not only does he make all the plays he's supposed to make, but he, but he but he takes them he he makes every play and it looks like if I don't make this play, uh, you know I may die. You know I have to catch this ball. I'm going to catch it and I'm not, I'm not going to nonchalant any of this. And that's one of the things that has bugged me about this team. It's it's one thing that came up on the broadcast of the Rangers game. They were talking about uh, Carlos Gomez and what Tom Grieve was saying was very interesting. That uh, listen, I got no problem with the hot dog stuff. I like that kind of thing. I'm like a little bit like Bryce Harper. Let these guys be themselves, and which which okay, I'm okay with that too. But then C.J. Nitkowski brought up a very salient point that as long as they're not screwing up, right? As long as they're as they're as they're going 100 miles an hour the entire time, they're they're giving it 100 percent all the time. They're doing the things they're supposed to do. They're showing up on time. They're doing everything they're supposed to do. My problem with 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 a lot of players is that don't show me the don't flash the style if you're not going to make all the routine plays too. You know, I, I want you to make every routine play, and then anything past that, it's all gravy. But you have got to make all those routine plays, and that's the problem with some of these guys. Yeah, uh, uh, that uh, that is the difficult thing about defense. You know, we just sat here and said the easiest place to improve consistency is on defense, right? And it's an easy concept. You know, take the same approach, at every pitch, every play. But you do. You sit out there for 150 pitches. You're, you're on the field right. for the 30th pitch of an inning. Right. Um, it's 95 degrees outside. You know, at some point in time, you do, you may not become that seven-year-old kid who sees somebody waving in the stands at him, but you do end up taking a pitch off or you do end up taking a first step off, and it hurts you. Um that's a problem, I think, throughout the game and for everybody. Yeah, Doug Bernier does make all the plays. That's his. That's his tool. That's his skill. But that's that's also a Dustin Pedroia. Is there is there a guy in baseball? Do you think Dustin Pedroia is taking any any plays off? No, I don't. I don't, I don't think, think he so. does. And, and Dustin Pedroia is the outlier. You know, yeah. he, he is the outlier. And there's you'll find an outlier at every position or just about every position. Um, Look, Adrian Beltre doesn't take any plays off. He still occasionally makes a, a bad error, but he doesn't. Uh, you don't ever see him do anything lazily. No, it's like if you're watching the, the WBC. What was so great? And he's in the dugout, and and Robinson Cano is on third base. They're playing Columbia, and he's telling he's he's going like he, he, I'm, I'm motioning up and down with my fists here. Uh, he, he's he's telling uh, Robinson Cano, come off third, 
come, come, come down third, come down the line. Maybe we can get this guy to balk. Right. You know, he's telling him to, to do that. You know, these are the things that's going through his head. Yeah, you know, I, his mind's his mind's always working. But the, the the thing about Adrian that is that is, and I hate to say it this way, um, the thing about Adrian that is somewhat dangerous is that he's got this innate outlier ability to have fun one minute and lock in. Absolutely, absolutely. And That's a good point. And people can't necessarily follow that because they don't have the same ability to focus that he does. The younger players don't. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that might be the most salient point you've made in four years of this podcast. Or a year and a half. No. Well, it seems like four. You know, I I, I, I want to do a little personal signing. I once had a, a history teacher tell me that in high school. What? Uh, history was one of my best subjects, and so and, the, and this teacher really liked me. And, and I was maybe making a little noise in class that I shouldn't have been making. And she said, Kevin, I, I know you're getting all this, but some other people in the class may not be getting it. So basically shut up. And, and that's a little bit of the thing with 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 Adrian and his little uh, bromance with Elvis. You know, like yes. on the, on the pop flies, right? Mm-hmm. On the, and I know that drives a lot of fans crazy. It kind of drives me crazy. It's like, I, you know, you're being you need to be a little bit of a better influence on Elvis. I think don't don't play that little game. I mean, and here's the thing that you run into though. I mean, the guy, the guy plays half a season without a thumb. Oh, he's he's tremendous. I'm, I'm you know, not saying anything he does. He's great. He's and, a hall and, of famer. And that's the thing. He can handle that. It's you have to go to Elvis and say, look, you just can't get involved in this. You know, you 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 can't horse around. If Adrian wants to do it, he's he's earned the skins on the wall to do right. that. And and I think more often than not, you see you see it's more Elvis playing around on the pop ups than Adrian. Um, the only thing I think I, I see Adrian do is just put his his hands up like he's going to catch the ball. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I it's don't see it's funny. Problem. It's all fun and game until, until that some, the ball, hits, <laughs> that ball the hits the ground. Exactly. <laughs> until correct. somebody loses an eye. <laughs> yeah, all right, Barry. Right. Let's let's get to the pitching staff. Uh, my question for you is: Does the pitching when you were in surprise? We were, does, oh, am I missing anything? Is this pitching staff imploding? Imploding is a strong word, and I, I think over the last couple of days, it's there, there's been some encouraging signs yeah, because better. you've had you've had decent starts by AJ Griffin and Dylan G and and Mike Housechild has has continued to put up up solid outings. What's discouraging is Andrew Kashner is has been hurt and hasn't pitched. Now he got good news last week that the biceps tendonitis wasn't anything significant that he could continue that he could start to ramp up and everything. I think the greatest mistake the Rangers could make right now is to try and ramp him up quickly and accelerate yes. the process. Guys who are healthy and who are uh, guys who are healthy and who are durable need 6 weeks of spring training or at least that's what we're told to get ready for the regular season. Here's a guy who's neither been durable nor healthy during his career. You're getting him restarted. Start the clock again. And if that takes six weeks from now and it takes you until the end of April and then you get five solid months, do it. Don't ramp it up to try and get an extra two they should look at him. The like, they should not count on him at all. Is, is, they should look at him it, like, a, like if he comes through and he ends up playing, fine. When you say he'd be ready in May, isn't that, isn't that being optimistic as well? No, I, I, I think that if, if he's over the biceps tendonitis and you start the clock now and you basically begin a, a, a regular spring training process – you're looking at basically the end of April, and there's nothing wrong with that. You get five solid months out of Andrew Cashner after that, you've still gotten more than you probably could have counted on. So let's look at your projected rotation and your latest version. As of this morning, that you had, you started. Are, are you first of all? Is is you going to be the opening day starter? 
Yeah, but, I, I, don't you have to do that? I think you still have to get through the off day um, on Thursday and see how they how they um, uh, place guys. But you can you can either go you or Cole at this point in time. Should it be? Is you going to be the opening day oh, star, funny. or are you going to be the opening day star? <laughs> is you ain't or is you okay, ain't? There's baby. the there's the official you joke of the season. Yeah. Um, well, I'm I'm just saying for negotiating purposes, I'm making you Darvish my opening day starter. Okay. Yeah, you think that'll make him happier? I'm for anything that makes him happier. Uh, you know, let listen. If that'll make him feel better, fine. I'm sure Cole couldn't care less. And then he he would be fine being the the number that, two. That's you know that's a good point. I don't know how much opening day starter means to you, Darvish. Um, uh, I, I I think he's folk. I, I I think that the honor would be nice for sure. Um, but I I just don't know. You know from from where he comes from, I don't know if opening day in Japan has the same kind of holy holiday kind of feel that it does in the U.S. I so know. I don't know how. I don't. It know can't much. hurt. I'll say that. No, it can't hurt. Um. But to, to Barry's point, the one question I've got about the starting rotation right now is is Cole Hamels. Right. Yeah. Me too. He had too. a crappy September. Right. He, you know, to, as I as I said in the roster projection, he stunk it up in the playoffs last year, and he stunk it up against the Dodgers. You know, in a start on Friday night. Right. Um. Didn't make it out of the first inning. Spring training in Arizona for a guy who's rapidly becoming more of a finesse guy than a power guy. And his it, numbers that were not good in Philadelphia in, in the spring. Right. It, it's it's hard to make any kind of evaluation on that. But, you know, until you get into April and you see that Cole Hamels is the Cole Hamels that you saw the first five months of the year, I think there's going to be those lingering questions about are we seeing a guy who's getting into his mid-30s and is he – either on the precipice or in, in decline. And so you'd love to see some – Barry, are you all right? <laughs> Boy, howdy. Do we do we need to call paramedics? Yeah, here we go, EMT. I think we should, I think we should have an EMT, given the state of everybody's <laughs> I think we should have an EMT on the premises at all times. Maybe we should train pr- producer Doug in, in yeah, CPR. CPR. At least get some get some paddles in here. But I, I think until until you get into the regular season and he puts up a couple of, of Cole Hamels type starts, you're going to have. Which that's another reason though to maybe making the number two, right? You Man, don't want Trot to run the, the your ace out there. I, I'm all for listen. I'm all for the idea of Darvish starting on opening day. I I, I just I want to just make sure that. That the way the schedule lines up right now, and until you get through the off day and those those games in San Antonio, it's it's just kind of hard to 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 pace everybody out for the next three weeks. So. I think that's the biggest question for me so far is Cole Hamels. Uh, is he is he are, is he going to be okay? Is he not? Well, now now that you just basically if you basically assume that you're not going to have Cashner for the first month right. of the year. Then I think the big question becomes: Is 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 there anything to worry about on Cole? So they, so we so the Rangers go Darvish, Hamels, Perez, and then and as I as I wrote last week, I think that the number four and five are going to be Housechild and and G. Uh, so uh, at this point, I, I think that the Housechild thing is is almost a you can you can you can store him away in the bullpen, but because he's a, was a real five pick from the Astros. And and because well, I think that's the, the important thing here is Mike Housechild has pitched well enough this this spring to yes. say we want to keep him if sure. you're the Rangers. Oh yeah, and, if, he, if he wasn't any good, you, you're not going you're not going to force that. And so whether that's in the rotation or as a long man, because there is a scenario in which the Rangers could go with eight relievers to start the season, and Housechild could be that eighth guy, kind of the long man swing guy. 
you have an ability if you don't want to. Well, with Jerks and Profar there, you have the ability to carry him as your backup infielder. Right. He's also going to be part of the left field situation, but he's also he could be your backup infielder, and that would allow you, if you want to, to go without an extra infielder. Because of that, then you might not carry Hanser Alberto, who has not had a great spring and who doesn't check the boxes that would be most important. Left, He's not a left-handed hitter. He doesn't add speed. He's not a great offensive weapon. Drew Robinson is left-handed, has had a good spring. Um, play infield and outfield. Can play second base, center field. Has started a game at short the other day, but uh, the scout that I talked to is not real big on him as a shortstop. Um and he's left-handed, and he's got he's got some offensive tools. The question I think the Rangers have to answer over the next three weeks is, is it going to impede his development if he's on the major league bench, basically as a 25th guy, or does he need to go to Round Rock and get – Are we talking about Drew Robinson still? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that, that's the question. If you answer that question that Drew should go to AAA, then you may carry eight relievers, and then your five starters could end up being – uh, G and AJ Griffin in the four and five spots. So let me ask you this on the makeup then. Uh, so uh, and and I and, and and as we all know, is that, uh, I, I know I'm all over the place. No, no, on no, that, no, no. That, that the four and five is a fluid situation, and it is for most teams. You the know, four and five it should be a temporary situation for the Rangers because of Ross coming back. Ross Tyson and Cashner, yeah, absolutely. And I and my thinking is is that you you start with with Housechild and G in the rotation, and and then I go with them as long as they're hot. You know, I, I, when Cashner is ready to come back. If these two guys are performing and doing what they're supposed to do, or hope they get, hope they are hot. I oh mean, yeah, you, absolutely. You don't assume that they will right. be hot. No, no, no. That's what I said. If they are, okay. If they are hot, then you just leave them. Right. You know, there's no need to change them out. Right. Uh, and and you know, as as we all know, it was pointed out on the broadcast last night that you know, in in the year was it in 2011. The rotation made 155 starts. Yeah, I and I did this research. I left the notepad at home. Can't but remember. The Rangers had. They had they, they used seven starters that year. It's the only time in the last decade that they've used fewer than ten starters over the course of a year. Seven starters, and and five, and, and five of them made like 155 starters. I think it was that's un- right. Dave Bush made like numbers. two, and yeah, it was an unbelievable number. But that's not that's the aberration. You don't ever get that. The, so you're going to need eight or nine guys. I, I yeah, and, and you know, two or three years ago, my my working thesis was you're going to need eight or nine guys. I think you need 10 or 11. And I think that Maybe so. that basically what you're looking for, and I talked to Jeff Bannister a little bit about this, and, and, and I'll, I will do something, I think, in our season preview about this, that the construction of a rotation now is not where you're looking necessarily at five guys or six guys, but you look at 11 guys and, 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 and you take, you know, almost like playoff shares. Um, a guy played for you for X number of days, he's yeah. going to get X amount of a playoff yeah. share. Um, for for a team that goes to the postseason, you're looking for a guy who can give you a month, another guy who can give you six well, weeks. A guy gave another, you what AJ Griffin gave you last year, exactly. the first of the season. What Kobe Lewis did at the first of the season. Another guy who you know, like say like Ross. You take Ross and you say, okay, we hope for four healthy months out of him. Those four months are really valuable, but sure. we're not expecting. 200 innings in a full year. Right. We're not expecting that. And so we consider him three-fifths of a starter. And we've got to go out and find another 40% worth of a starter there. Now, do do we get it from one other guy? Mm-hmm. Do we piece it up between three or four guys? I, I think that's what they've done. And I did think going into this spring that the signing of G, who was a serviceable pitcher, he's he's certainly serviceable, um, and, the, and, and having Griffin back uh, – 
gives the present gives the opportunity for Chichi Gonzalez and Nick Martinez to continue to work to see if they if they can come up with something that will give them out pitches. But it does give you more options, and it does give those guys like like Mendez and Sadzek and uh, uh, Ariel Jurado. It gives them time to continue to work and not have to be rushed towards the major leagues. Yeah. Because I think if these if the Rangers rush some of these prospects to the major leagues, they're never going to get anything out of them. And these guys are raw. I think the best pitching prospect right now in the organization that's in any way finished is Brett Martin, and he's going to start the season at AA in all likelihood. Uh, and that will be the first time he's been above Class A. So they've got a gap between the major league rotation and the prospects who will be ready some of these fill-in guys like G, the the Rule Five pick House Child, uh, AJ Griffin continuing to be there. That's why you sign a Cashner, and that's why you sign a Ross, and, and know that you're not going to get 200 innings out of either one of them. Right. You need to have candidates. All right, Barry, do you have a question? No. Okay. All right. Barry's still. I was just checking it out. Barry's still in some degree of uh, distress over there. No, I'm f- I'm fine. I, I think I'm I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you for your uh, interest. Concern. In all right. Here's my question then. Uh, we, we've talked about in left field uh, this platoon with Ryan Rua and Jerkson Profar, and that has been the talk, the talk, the talk, the talk. No, 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 no. You guys have talked about that. I have talked about a three-headed monster in left field. Well, no, yeah, I know we talked about that as well. Uh, but here's here's my point about this: if you're going to get the best players into this mix, uh, I'm a little bit maybe I'm too easily influenced by the body language, you know. Ryan Ruitt looks always looks to me like a guy who has just smoked a joint. <laughs> <laughs> he is he is as about as laid back as you could possibly get, and and, and he had a nice RB. Uh, he, he knocked in a couple of runs on Monday night and looked good in that at bat, and he does have a good approach at the plate. I get all that, and he's a, and he's a good left fielder. I get all that, but when I look at the skill set that Delano DeShields brings. Or the skill set that Jerks and Profar brings to the thing. I think, to me, if you're if we're going to go for a righty lefty platoon, why aren't we talking uh, Delino and Profar if it's just going to be two instead of of Rua? Are are they that much in love with Rua that he has to be I in think, this mix? I, see that, and the most encouraging thing for me out of spring training this year has been the left field situation. Profar's gone off to the WBC and absolutely raked. Yeah, okay? he he's great. also expanded his 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 ability to play some center field. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. But go um, ahead. We won't talk about the base running mistakes he made against Team Israel, but we all know that that was touched by the hand of God. Um, <laughs> the uh, why? But he's played he's played well. Profar has played well. Yeah, Rua has played well. He's had a good approach at the plate, and you know it's funny we're talking about Nomar Mazzara the big chill because he's always so chill and laid back and we look at ryan rua who is very close friends with no more mazara basically has the same approach is very chill and laid back all the time yeah, not the same hitting not the same hitting, but though. yeah because he hasn't had the same results as mazara right, right um but he's had a great approach in spring and i think they've been very happy with him the shields has had a great spring it's been a real I think there was a point in time where you might have almost been able to count Delano de Shields out, and he has played himself back into. First of all, he's showed up in great shape. He, he's shown um, more more speed than he had last year. There have been a couple times this year where I think Jeff Bannister would have loved to have seen him try some things on the bases a little bit more. And I think that as the next two weeks unfold, he'll he'll be even more aggressive. 
but he's played really well. And I think that the Rangers have, with the ability to give Mike Napoli some days off at first base, you can play pro far there. Right. With the ability to does this mean that James Loney is out? I think so. Yeah, I, I, I think so. It, it's it's just it, it, in Jeff Bannister's world and in the world that baseball is becoming, where versatility is so important. A left-handed hitting first baseman who only plays first base and who doesn't has no pop. Just yeah, just doesn't cut it. No. So I, I think there's ample opportunities for for Profar to get starts around the infield as well, and. You're, I think you know you have three players in left field that will get. Which none is, of them are going to get five hundred at bat. Which is four players in left field when Mazzara moves over when Chu plays right field. But then one of somebody's going to go to DH at that point in time. Yeah. Um, and it might be Napoli with Profar at first base. Yeah. Uh, but, but will we see Profar in center field at all? I, I think if you if you're going to have DeShields, I think DeShields is going to be your center fielder because I think he still carries more range. Profar is playing center field for the Netherlands basically because they need a center field. Have you actually seen any, any games of him play center field? I saw the game against Israel. I I, I didn't see that. Uh, um, and he he had a he had a tri- he had a double that he tried to stretch into a triple and was thrown out, and then he got caught off third base and. In how a bad get, base how do you get play? caught off third base? Well, that might be the dumbest play in baseball. At, third base. He, it's a long story, but basically a fly ball to deep center field. Sam Fold caught the ball. Profar tagged up at second, went to third, went too far around third. He should have just gone the whole way. Sam Fold does not have a shoulder. <laughs> um, I mean, he basically had to lob the ball in. And I know that the, the, the Netherlands had that scouting report, and I know that, that Profar had been told that, but the hesitation is what cost him. And then they ran him into an out there. So okay. I, I don't think, unless there was an injury, if, uh, if 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 somebody was a little bit lame or somebody had something of a soft tissue issue, maybe Profar would go to center for a day. But I think if you've got the shields there, the shields is more likely your um, your backup. Because he's, he's played it. But but right. here now, but here's the thing. So you took Ian Desmond, a shortstop, stuck him in left field, stuck him in center field. Uh, you were willing to do that, uh, and maybe because you didn't have any viable options. No choice, yeah. uh, but I will say this: to me, if the object is to let's get the the most value out of Profar that we can possibly get, because uh, let's face it, his real value is as, is as a shortstop offensively. Correct. To put him there at shortstop or second base, it, it, it goes down from there, from shortstop to second base to left field. It really goes down, but in center field. If he were able to give you the numbers that he could give you at, at shortstop, and if he plays at least an average, and that's that's the thing, he's got to be at least average. The, the the upgrade he gives you in center field over Delano is that he's got a much better arm than Delano DeShields has. He's got a better arm, and so and he's not as fast, but fast. but it doesn't help you if Delano's taking circuitous routes to get to these balls. Right. If uh, that's what I need to know about Jerks and Profar when he's in the outfield and when he's playing center field, which is an easier field to play. Than left field or right field. I know everybody thinks that center field is harder. It's not harder. It's just a lot more ground to cover because the ball is truer off the bat. If you're playing left field or right field, the ball is always uh, slicing away from you uh, in one way or the other. So uh, in center field, it, it's pretty true. And so it's easier from that standpoint. The question is, can you cover the ground out there? Do you have the instincts to cover the ground? I think he has a good enough arm to play center field. Uh, so so that's, I, that's and the I, question I think for the me. Rangers. I think the Rangers on – 
on that front will value the speed and being able to run balls down because yeah. of the range that you've got to have right. over the arm. Because if they can just get Delino to get the ball in quickly, they've got infielders with good arms. And just don't give up extra bases. Don't, that, that's, don't throw to the wrong base. Yeah, don't do that. And that's that's true. That, that's all that. But that was my point. Don't try, and, don't try and make plays that you don't have an ability to make. And and Delano's got the ability to cover to cover more ground. But yeah, the, what we have seen in center field. Uh, look, the Rangers put Desmond in center field out of necessity last year because right. Delano didn't cut the didn't cut it out there and. And you look at it, it, it runs save defensively, and the Rangers were 21st in, at center field last year at a minus four. So they did they did come up with a center fielder, but it wasn't by any stretch of the imaginations a an advantageous defensive situation. Right. Um, and, and the other part of it is is if these pitchers are more ground ball oriented pitchers, if they get more ground balls. Maybe then the speed in center field doesn't matter as much, and maybe maybe Profar, for for what he offers you, does become a viable alternative. But I think right now you go into the season with the idea that Profar will get half the starts in in left in left field, and twenty to thirty starts at first base, and ten starts at the other infield positions. That's one hundred and thirty. That's one hundred and thirty starts right there. I don't. I don't see him playing in the infield positions. That was one hundred and twenty, I think. Yeah, I don't see him playing in the infield positions. But but you really think he'll get that many starts? I I think you. I think. I think that's what they would like to think. Yeah, I think that's what they. Uh, if he gets one hundred and twenty to one hundred and thirty starts, he's a full time player. Right. Here, here's the thing about Jerickson that you notice, or at least I notice, he's always he always starts fast. I think he's got all this enthusiasm, and he and he's got all this skill, the skill set, and he really gets into it. And then over the course of a season, he starts to fade, and I think he fades because he doesn't get in the game, well, and and the manager can't find him. And then so then when the manager puts him in, you know, for one or two times a week, then he doesn't play well. This is the key thing, and I and, and you're talking about Profar's value. Profar's value. Mm-hmm. Here's where Profar's value comes: get him on the field. Yes. Get him, get him in the lineup, and get him on the field as much as possible. He's got to be playing three or four times a week. Oh, I think I think you're looking at four to five times. Yeah, a week four, four is better. Yeah, no, no um, question. He has to play at least four times a week. And and if you do that, then you get first of all, you finally get a real idea of of how good a ball player he is. Yeah. Secondly, um, I do think you avoid that that situation where it's not that he gets un uninterested. I just think it's difficult for no, a young not, player he, to stay in any. Kind no, he of just role. loses his enthusiasm. I mean, I just think he he feels like his his, his heart's been ripped out. But you the know. the other part, Kevin, is performance wise, he's not been a good right handed hitter. No, he hasn't. But I I I like to know how much of that is the lack of use. Well, he he he's acknowledged that he had a really bad mechanics from the right side last year. Yeah. Um, but it also extends back to when he played in the big leagues pr- prior to that. He he just he got he he basically took his his arms out of the swing. He jammed him, he jammed himself up, and he's tried to make some some adjustments on that. And we'll certainly get a better look when he gets back to camp and he's facing major league pitching, um, on a on a regular basis, and he faced some left handers. Because he's going to have to if he's going to be an everyday player, some of those starts are going to have to come against left handers. He's who, not going to play just against the right hander. Who's going to play? Who's the backup third baseman? Profar. Profar. Yeah. Do we, will he get time there as well? I, again, I think you're you're looking at 
you have to give Adrian Beltre some start time, uh, even if it's his DH. Right. Even if you move him to DH, he cannot start 150 games for you anymore. Start no. him 145, 140 games. I think 140. You, you know, better. you've got you've got 22 games to play with there. So there's 22. Okay, could be. Well, and I, I, you know, and I got to say this: it's a little bit like when Michael played third base, Michael Young. Um, there, it's a different animal playing third base <laughs> than it is playing shortstop and second base. I think everybody thinks if you play shortstop, you can play third base, and that is not necessarily true. It's a reaction position, and and that ball is on you so fast, and and there you can just tell. They're just not used to it, and it's like, wow. I I would I would say this: what we've seen of Jerickson Profar in all three of the infield positions, all four of the infield positions, are really good instincts and really good reaction times. I think he's he's done really well for all the uh, the different aspects of the different infield positions. I think that left field has been the most difficult thing for him to overcome, just because the lack of foot speed there. Yeah, Barry is dying again. I know. All right, before we get out of here, I want to ask one last question about. Again, we're making an observation and get your thoughts on this. My thoughts? No, no. Because you're not looking at me. No, it's like as if I'm, I'm not here. sorry. I looked at you. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Is Carlos go? You know, I made the point that, that you you cannot buy too much into Carlos Gomez's performance for the Rangers at the end of last year because of the of the track record. It's always possible a guy comes in and plays well for a couple of months. Oh, yeah, I'm listening to what you're telling me. I'm making these adjustments, and I do that. But now I look at the spring. I look at the game on Monday night, the home run to right field or right center. First of all, he's going the opposite way. You know, he's, he's not swinging so hard that his helmet's coming off. And, 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 I, and I'm trying to remember the count. Was it full or was it – I can't remember. But it was really good at bat. He took a pitch right down the middle. I could not believe he took the fastball. Maybe it was a 3-0. I don't know it was a 3-0, but, but – the point was, if the guy's going to throw it right down the middle, go ahead. Right. Uh, when you have his kind of uh, skill set, but it was a, just a terrific at bat, uh, and then to go to right center to hit the home run, I, I've I've been really impressed with him this spring, and I'm thinking that if he could sustain that and be what he was at the end of last year, then you're talking about having a guy who might hit 30 home runs. Let me ask you a question. Yes, right. go ahead. <clears throat> at this point in time this year versus this point in time last year, yeah. Who was closer to being an elite player in his career, Ian Desmond or Carlos Gomez? Who had had a elite type season more recently? Ian Desmond. No. No. What, what, Carlos's last good year was fourteen. Yeah, and what was what was, was it thirteen with the? Uh, well, no, it was a still a good. He, Desmond still had a good year. His last year, uh, his last year with the Washington. No, no, he didn't. No, he had, we had, one of his numbers was he, had, he drove in 90 runs, didn't he? He's, yeah, but he, uh, the guy drives in 90 runs. That's a pretty good year, for a, especially for a shortstop. Evan. Desmond's 2015 season in Washington, his yeah. last season in Washington, he had 233, 290 on-base percentage, 674 OPS, had 62 RBIs. What was the year before? In 14, he had 24 homers, 91 RBIs. There we go. 255, 313. Well, that was just two years. He was just he was just two years removed from that. That was 2014. Though. Right. Okay. That was two years removed. So Carlos Gomez, in 2014, hit 284, 356, 477, 833. Oh, Evan's smiling. He thinks he has you. He didn't have as many RBIs, but he also hit in the leadoff spot. Yeah. Um. And Gomez played an elite center field defense at that point in time. 
even if you go to the 2015 season when he split it between Milwaukee oh, and Houston. Oh, he's hammering you now. No, I mean, he still hit <laughs> he still hit 255 with a 724 OPS. He still had a better offensive season than, than Desmond at that point in time. And what I'm saying is you're talking about a guy who's playing his natural position defensively. Right. Okay, who has played that in an elite level. And at least as recently as Ian Desmond did, and we looked at Ian Desmond last spring as a great late signing. Yeah. Carlos Gomez has had the same kind of season. He finished really strongly last year. I think it's completely right to think that a 31-year-old center fielder coming off the year, the overall year that he had last year and the performance in Houston, that it's, it's certainly uh, a legitimate question to say, okay, can we buy what we saw the last six weeks? But I think that Carlos Gomez does have all the all the uh, credentials and the the past history to say that yeah, this guy could could still be a pretty good ball player. All right, let's say that he does that. Do the Rangers resign him? I don't because I I'm going to play center field. I I think that that at that point in time you would be considering the possibility of Drew Robinson as your as your. You talking twenty eighteen? Yeah, twenty eighteen. Yeah. Um, well, I'm just saying, maybe a big who knows, year. Maybe Profar shows you. You know what John Daniels did say when Profar went to go play center field in the Netherlands? Is, Look, this isn't something we probably would have thought of, but maybe he opened some eyes. Think it's going to be interesting to see what John Daniels says when when Jerickson gets back from the WBC. Uh, because there are no more big time. I mean, you know, the, there's nobody close. There's nobody close. No center fielders that are close. No. But I, I think that Drew Robinson has played himself into a position where the Rangers may say, now, he may not be an elite center field defender, but he's got the skills to play in the big leagues as an everyday player, and maybe center field is where we play him. But that's a maybe, serious drop then from, from uh, Gomez. Maybe Delino DeShields is your everyday center fielder. Well, that's, a, that's a drop as well. That's, so, that's a drop from the Gomez you're projecting. That's what I'm saying. But, but, that's yeah, what I'm saying. If he has a big year. But I think when you start to get into if Carlos Gomez has another big year, okay, if he was willing to take another one-year contract and just say, look, I'm he willing to stay that. here, no. you know, that's one thing. But he's going to have to get a multi-year contract. Yeah. And thirty-one year, multi-year contracts for 31-year-old center fielders do not pan out. No, they don't. They are not good risks. And Especially so you may have to fielders. take a step back. How old is Andrew McCutcheon? Andrew McCutcheon is 29 or 30. He's already hit the wall. Of course, he had he's a, a terrible big, year last he's year. He's a big center fielder, too. I think that's, a, to me, another issue is how if the guys are big McCutcheon guys. McCutcheon is, it, it turned 30 in October. Yeah. Um, he had a bad year last year. Yeah. Uh, very bad defensively. Yes. And they were, they were the worst team in baseball uh, defensive runs saved in center field. I think they were like minus. And they 30. went from a time when the Pittsburgh outfield was the greatest outfield right, in baseball. Right. So that's so, that yeah. Center fielders age quickly. You know, and, and, and he and he and then and Carlos is kind of a big body. Uh, so that that is another thing that could be an issue for me. Uh, Barry's race from the dead. We've, we've been talking for a long time. It's, oh, okay, it's lunchtime. But I think I do I do think that this Carlos Gomez situation certainly bears watch. I, I think he if, if he plays like he looked I don't like think there's been a, I don't think there's been a point in time since they signed him or since they considered re-signing him that it hasn't bared watching because all you do have to go on is those six weeks of performance. But so far. So far, so good. So far, so good. So far, so good. After they took the risk on him last year, I think if he, I think if he plays this whole season like he played the six weeks with the Rangers, I think he, be, I think he could be because I'm projecting that the rotation will at least be decent. Uh, I think he's the difference on this team this year. 
Well, you know, he and Napoli are the two newcomers position-wise. And I think that, I think, yeah, you know, if you look at it, Mike Napoli played a career high, hit a career high in home runs last year. I I think that that Gomez, with if he improves the defense in center field and he gives them a legitimate leadoff guy that they don't have to change because they did have to change the leadoff situation last year. Mm -hmm. Um, If you've got a situation where Gomez is getting on base ahead of a healthy chew, with you know Odor and Beltre and Mazzara and Napoli and Lucroy in the middle of that lineup, you've got a really formidable offense. And yeah, so he could be a, a he could be a game changer because Desmond was really good the first half, not no good the second half. Correct. So it, it, that that's to me the difference. All right, we got to get out. Okay, should I say goodbye to the guests? Go ahead. Go ahead. All right, Evan, it's been great having you uh, on again today. Uh, we'll look forward to speaking with you next week. Um, great stuff as always. Are you going to be with us next week? Uh, this is, is my time. Is I, I, here's my question: Is Evan the host going to be with us this week? Evan the be, guest will be with you next week. From surprise. From surprise. Barry, you'll be doing it all by yourself next week, pal. Oh, I may have to do a little college ba- basketball next week. Maybe we can get a fill-in host for. Maybe Kevin you can get Kim week. Mulkey to come on with you. Yes. Punch I'll, him in the face. Kim, Kim Mulkey's a she. Punch, did you say punch who in the face? Punch him in the face. That's what, That's she, what said. she said. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, understand. yeah, yeah. I understand. No, maybe I can find you a fill-in for Kevin next week. Who who would who would that be? I, don't see. This is this is what you tried to do. You tried to put Trey Wingo in a bad spot and made him say stuff that he didn't want to say. And now but that's not. But, but we're gonna we're, we're gonna edit that out. I can't commit to somebody uh, before I talk to anybody because. I, I know you. You next Tuesday morning at nine o'clock. You go. I think I can get this guy. I, I no 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 no. That's not me. That's <laughs> you. All right. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I am going to say shoot, goodbye to yourself. Again. I'm going to shoot for Brent Musburger. You know he might be available next week because he's he's uh, he spoke to the guys in Austin. He he's yeah he, he's pitching. You know he, he's selling his yeah. new, his new venture. He might be, he might be available. Absolutely. Although. If he's in Vegas, it'll be pretty early in the morning. Yeah, but he's you know he's an old man. He gets up to urinate early yeah. in the morning. Could 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 would that be the first podcast that starts? You are looking live, even though people can't see us. Maybe we should do a Facebook live. Really, we should have ended this five minutes ago, Barry. <laughs> Goodbye, Barry. Evan, it was oh, it was a pleasure, and once again, you got the best guest because you got yourself. This is true, Kevin. Bye. When we see you again next. Uh huh. You'll be looking better. <laughs> Do I look bad? Are you going to be in surprise next week no. with Evan? No. Not, not not going to surprise. No. Okay. No. No, no, no. What? Oh, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I, I, my, oh, that's right. Next week. By the way, next week, I'll be celebrating another birthday. That's right. March the 22nd. Everybody make sure that you wish Barry a happy birthday. How that's old were you? 62. Doing? 62. 62. He'll be officially two years older than me. I'll be 62, which is, I believe, you can start collecting Social Security. Yes, you can. That's yes, right. You can. That's right. Good for you. But I'm a young-looking 62. No, I wasn't going to say you, that. Listen, you are one of the youngest-looking Zadies. Old, old men I've, I've, I've one ever One of the seen. youngest-looking Zadies. I'm going with Big Z. Yiddish. We're going with Big Z. I'm gonna, as you know, I'm a grandfather now. Yes. So I'm going with Big Z. Big Z? Big Z. That's for Zadie? Oh, Big Z. Yeah, but but it's Big Z. Oh no! Yeah, it's not I, big. Oh, no. It's not Big Z. It's Big Z. We're gonna have I like Zelmo Baby. I think we're gonna have to have a <laughs> a, a family meeting on that. Um, 
Goodbye, everybody. It's been great to be with you again. Uh, We'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya. Yeah.